Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. Oh, if you'll open up your Bibles uh, to Judges chapter 6, we're in our series called Broken Heroes, and we've been talking about Gideon. Um, we talked about Gideon last week, continuing it this week, talking about uh, Gideon. The, the, the series or the, the sermon this morning is entitled, Who, Me? Who, Me? Turn to your neighbor and say, Who, Me? Turn to your other one and say, Who, Me? The Lord showed up in Gideon's life in a very real way and called him and asked him to do something significant, spoke into his life, and Gideon's response was, Who, me? Really, me? You want to use me? And as we, as we look at Gideon's life, uh, and if you are here last week, you'll have kind of a frame of reference for this. If not, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it back up for you and just real quickly run through uh, some of what we talked about last week and finish it up. But what we, um, what the, the picture that I painted for us is imagine if Gideon could sit down with us and just have a cup of coffee and tell us about what he learned through this enca- these encounters he had with the Lord and what the Lord did in his life. What are the lessons? What were his takeaways? Uh, what, would he, what would he share with us? And I came up with 10 of those, and I just want to share those with you uh, real quick. Is uh, Number one is it cost when you do not listen to and obey the words of the Lord. It cost when you do not listen to and obey the words of the Lord. Uh, the story is set up in Judges 1 and 2. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them to the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So the Midianites were coming in. They would come in, as the Bible says, like locusts. They were nomads with lots of camels, and, and the crops would be ready. Uh, the the, 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 the ground, would, the grasses would be ready for the livestock, and the Midianites would just come, would ravage the land, and they were so afraid, the people of God, the Israelites were so afraid, they had to hide in caves and holes, had to burrow themselves in of hiding from this. And the reason was they had turned their back on the Lord. They weren't following the Lord. They weren't listening to the, word, to the words of the Lord. And when we don't listen to the words of the Lord, it cost us. But, but thankfully, thankfully, the Lord showed up. And he raised up a leader. He raised up a deliverer in Gideon. And so that's the second thing I think Gideon would say to us, is the Lord showed up when I least expected him. He was, he was threshing wheat, which would, means you throw it up and the wind blows and the chaff blows away and what you have left is what you can work with. You do it outside in an open area. He was doing it in a wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord, shows up and, and when he's least expected, when Gideon is least expecting him, least expecting him. Last week we talked about how the Lord shows up in our lives in the times where we least expect him. And so let's be open to that. And then Gideon responded, responded to the Lord like we often do. He wondered if the Lord still cares, still intervenes, and still work miracles. Because he quoted, he quoted some of the things that the Lord had done for Israel previously. We know, we have record of what the Lord has done in the Old Testament and the New Testament We've heard through history how God has intervened on behalf of people, on behalf of people, but sometimes we wonder, well, what about me, God? Will you do it for me? Are you still active? Do you care about my situation, what I'm going through? And the story of Gideon tells us that the Lord does, that we know that the Lord does and, and that the Lord knows. And the fourth thing that we talked about is that we do better when we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on the Lord. 
get our eyes off ourselves. Gideon couldn't get his eyes off his own insecurities, off his own weaknesses, off of his own. He didn't have enough, couldn't do enough, didn't come from the right people. And the Lord's just like, get your eyes on me. Get your eyes on me. And then finally, last week, we talked about the family of origin issues in our lives are real. Gideon replies to the Lord when the Lord calls him that says, O mighty man of valor. He goes, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. He's like, you don't know the family I come from, Lord. And maybe you thought about that verse a little bit this week. Maybe you kind of thought of it. You've, you, you saw stuff manifesting in your life, and you're like, oh yeah, these family of origin things are real, and they are. And we talked about that, and about how that shouldn't, we shouldn't allow that to limit us because it doesn't limit God in us. And so that brings us to this week. And so as we broke next last week, as we, as, as, we, as we went our ways, we left Gideon in this story. He, he left the Lord waiting he said, Lord, I'm going to go prepare an offering, and I'm going to bring it back, and I want to offer it to you. Will you wait here on me? And the Lord said, I'll wait here for you. I'll be here when you get back. And I told you guys, uh, as you come back this week, the Lord will be here. And he is, isn't he? He's here. He's been in our way in a really, really mighty, mighty way. And so we're, we're going to pick up at number six in your notes. Number six. This is what Gideon would say to us. He would say, friends, there's a huge disconnect between the way I saw myself and the way the Lord saw me. A huge disconnect between the way I saw myself and the way the Lord saw me. Verse 12, chapter 6, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But that wasn't the way that Gideon saw himself. His response was, who, me? Who, me? I'm the least of the least of the least. I'm the least of the least of the least. That's how he saw himself. But the way he saw himself and the way the Lord saw him were completely different. And I think Gideon, if he was here with us today, would say and would be able, you know, if he could, if he could get in our brains, right, be scary, right? But if he could get in our brains... I think he would say the same thing to us. If he was able to listen to the self-talk, that we, the things we say to ourselves. Have, have you ever stopped and filtered and really listened to the conversation that you have with yourself when you're alone and, and when you're quiet and the things, the thoughts that you think, the things you say to yourself? Have you ever thought about the way that you talk to yourself at, at times? Times the way you talk to yourself, you would never let somebody talk to somebody you love that way or even talk to yourself that way. If somebody tried to talk to your spouse, if you're married or if you're single, somebody you care deeply about, if you heard somebody talk to them the way that, that you and I sometimes talk to ourselves, like you wouldn't put up with it, would you? You'd stop them. You're like, whoa, 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 now. That's not true. I can't let you say that. That's not true. Yet, we do the very same things to ourselves. And we say things, or we allow the enemy to, to plant thoughts or seeds of thoughts about ourselves that are completely not true. And so we need a filter called the Word of the Lord that can be measured, that can measure, that can weigh, that can filter the thoughts and the words that we think and that we say, even if we don't say them out loud, but the thoughts that we think about ourselves and about who we are, that there is a filter called the Word of the Lord that it goes through. 
That if it's not, if the Lord didn't say it here, if, if, it's, if, it's, this is, if this isn't what the Lord thinks about me, then why am I believing it or why am I thinking it? Or I, I need that filter. I need that filter to be there. Because the Lord always speaks with love. And so if what you're hearing is not rooted in love, it is not of the Lord. Okay? Now, it can be discipline and be love. Right? It can be discipline, but it's still love. And, like, you know, it's like, it's hard to explain, but when you get, when you get spanked by Daddy God, it still feels good, doesn't it? You still feel loved. It's, there's a tenderness there. There's a mercy there that you experience. Even when you're corrected, you still feel loved. You don't feel worse about yourself because of it. Because that's not how God is. God is love, and he speaks love to us. And so I think Gideon would want us to try to reconcile the way we view ourselves as compared to the way the Lord views us and try to bring that up to that level and use the word of the Lord as that filter for that. Does that make sense? You tracking with me on that? Okay. I think the next thing that Gideon would say to us is that we should expect the Lord's presence and power to manifest in our lives in response to our worship. That when we encounter the Lord, we should really expect Him to show up and do something in our lives. Kind of like what I was talking about at the beginning of service, that there would be an expectation that would, be, that would be there. He goes, he goes, Lord, please don't go away. Wait, and I'll come back. I'm going to come back with an offering, and I'm going to set it before you. And the Lord says, I will, I will wait until you return. And so he does that. He, gets, he, he prepares the meat, the bread, the broth, and he brings it to the Lord. And the Lord says, okay, because uh, he had asked the Lord for a sign. He's like, Lord, I need a sign. I need to know, like, this is you. I, don't, I, I, need, to, I need some help here. And so he asked the Lord for the sign. So the Lord had him place it on a rock. And the Lord took his staff and, and stretched it out towards, I mean, like, he turned that rock and that offering into, like, Hanodi, like, right then, like, fire and flame and just consumed it. Boom, right there. Right there. And the power and the presence of God shows up. We read later in this account, in verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abazarites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You see, we should expect the Lord's presence and power to manifest in our lives in response to our worship. I'm not saying God owes us something when we worship Him. Don't misunderstand me. God doesn't owe us anything. But do we have the expectation that when we encounter Him, when we go to Him in prayer, we go to Him in worship, when we come into His Word, when we gather with others, do we expect God to show up? When we pray, do we expect God to answer our prayer? Because we should. Because Gideon teaches us that, that God shows up. Do we have an expectation? He will manifest. He will, his, he will be real among us. I love this verse, this, this verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. I love that. I love what that represents. And, and in the Old Testament, we have picture after picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon leaders. Um, came upon Moses, came upon Joshua. We study that. Holy Spirit came upon Deborah. We see here the Holy Spirit comes upon Gideon. And it come upon them for these moments. And God would do extraordinary things in them and through them. But as we move into the New Testament, as Jesus is our Savior, 
Um, God in the flesh comes and dwells among us. He goes, you know, actually, friends, I'm going to have to leave. I need to exit the scene. I need to exit, I need to exit the stage of this planet Earth because there's somebody else who's just like me who's going to come, who's going to take my place. But the difference is I've been among you. He is going to be in you, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so in John, the end of John, the book of John, Jesus breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. A few day, a few weeks later, Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Spirit of God and Pentecost. They speak with other tongues. They begin to turn the world upside down. They, they declare, Peter preaches, this is a prophecy. This is exactly what Joel talked about. That in the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh, uh, on men, on women, on older people, on younger people, on rich, on poor, on, on regardless of situation, regardless of race, regardless of gender. He's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh and that you and I live in a moment of time where we can operate in the Spirit of God under the power of the influence of the Holy Spirit, not occasionally, but daily, as a reality part of our life. And that just excites me. Like, that's a great place to say amen. Because we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding that we're walking with Him. So imagine, imagine you live in a large valley, okay, and there's a river that, that comes through that valley, and and and, and you have, you've made your sustenance off that river, okay? Like you fish that river, you, let's say it's older times, and you have a, a water mill um, on, that, on that river. It's, it's, it's your life. It's, it's, you get all your resources from that river. Well, imagine if Corps of Engineer wanted, Engineers wanted to come in and dam that river, okay? But they said, we're still going gonna, gonna to dam it, but there still is going to be that there's still going to be a flow of a river. We're not, we're not removing the river. It's just we're changing it a little bit. And because of the dam going in and hydroelectric power, you're going to have 10 billion kilowatts of power available to you to use. What would you think about that exchange, right? You'd be like, yeah, thank you very much, because the river's still there. They didn't remove the river because this happened. This has happened all over the world. I mean, this is the reality of many people have lived with. So what we have in the New Testament is we still have that river, so to speak, living next to that. But now we have a 10 billion kilowatt power available through the Holy Spirit. Like, I know that's a crazy metaphor, but are you, are you drawing that comparison? So all this power is, I mean, think about the power that comes available with the, like a dam and with hydroelectric power, right? It changes lives. It's it's. It's unlimited. And so it is with us that we can tap into the resource of the Holy Spirit. So let's do it. How about that? Like, let's live in such a way of expecting God to show up. And I love this, that as he was filled with the Spirit, that he blew his trumpet to, to, summon, to summon them for battle. Well, I, I think this is fascinating that, you know, the, the Hebrew word for, for spirit means breath. And, and as he was filled with the breath of God, then he blew that trumpet, like an immediate manifestation of who the Holy Spirit is, and, and, and people responded to that. As we allow the breath of the Holy Spirit to flow through us, people will respond. People will arise to that because, not because of us, friends, not because of us, in spite of us, actually, in spite of Gideon, but because the Holy Spirit is upon us. And so let's live in such a way of expecting that. I think the eighth thing that that Gideon learned was he learned to put first things first. 
He learned to put first things first. And so, after the Lord consumed that, that offering, that night the Lord spoke to Gideon. And he told Gideon that he needed to go and he needed to destroy his dad's. His dad was the caretaker, was maybe the one that had provided it for their city. But they, in, their, in their city, they had a, uh, an altar to the false god Baal. And, and next to that altar, to the, where they worshipped Baal, they had an Ashtoreth pole. Okay, so Baal was the, was the god they worshipped from the Canaanites around them. They had, remember their heart had strayed away from, from God, from Yahweh, the Lord of creation. And, and this, was the, this was the agricultural god, the weather god of the Canaanites. And so they had ad- adopted the, the pagan culture around them, uh, had begun to mix with them. And, and so they were worshipping, fo- totally disregarding the words of the Lord. And we're worshiping this idol. And then there's an Ashtoreth pole next to it. And that was the, uh, like the feminine version. Uh, that was like, it'd be like, think of a big pole. And, and it would have been carved of um, a very curvy woman, we'll put it that way, um, on the pole of, to represent fertility. And, uh, and so they would worship these gods together because to, to t- it was an agricultural-based uh, society. And so what he did was he took his dad's, uh, so a bull uh, from his dad, and, and different scholars, will, there's, Great argument. There's one bull or two bulls, but either way, um, he took a bull and, and, and destroyed the altar, and then he took the timber from the Ashereth pole and laid it on the destroyed altar, and then offered a bull to, to Yahweh, to the Lord, as a response to what the Lord had asked him to do. And this is what happened. This is what was happening: is the Lord was having him put first things first. Because his priority had to be where his heart, where his devotion, where his worship rested. Before he did anything else, before he went into battle, before anything else happened, first things first. And first was relationship with the Lord. That the false idol that had been existing in his life. See, he wasn't raised serving the Lord. Gideon wasn't raised with this really close relationship with God. He was raised worshiping a false god. And that needed to be addressed in his life. And he needed to to be worshiping the one true God to be in a position to be used by him. And so who we are... Our being always precedes our doing. Uh, Our relationship with the Lord, what this this is like vertically, always is more important than what happens this way. This is first. And so it's first things first. So the Lord is aligning that in his life. And I tell you, I love Gideon. Like Gideon was a scrappy dude, right? So as you read, I know you guys have been reading the stories of Gideon this week and keep reading them this week. But he was the youngest in his family. You know he was always getting picked on. You can just tell by, by listening to him and, or by, by, by looking at his story. And in fact, on this one, he's like, he knew that his family, he knew that the men in the city were going to hate him for this, and so he waited and he did it at night. And then 10 of his employees went with him and they did it at night. And, and, and sure enough, the next day, they came looking for him. And they found out he did it, they were going to kill him, and his dad steps in. His dad steps in and he says, you know what? Okay, time out. This is his dad's stuff anyway. He was, he was, time out. If this guy, Baal, is really a true God, then do you guys think he can take care of himself? If he's really a true God, maybe we should just let him take care of Gideon. And everybody's like, okay, you know, I guess so. And so it's, what's interesting is Gideon's name means hacker, not like a computer hacker, but like a chopper. That's what Gideon um, means. And so, and that's actually what he did was he hacked, he knocked down those idols. And then they gave him the name Jubal Bell, which means 
We'll let Bell deal with you. We'll let Bell take care of you. And, and so it's just so interesting that he had to get the first things first in his life. First things first. You know, it's the same thing for us. That we get the first things first in our life. That we get that, that with the Lord first. That false idols, um, those things that would, that would take our attention and our devotion from the Lord that those things would be replaced in our life. Those things would be taken out in our life. You know, if we, if we fast forward, we fast forward to the end part of Gideon, and he's victorious in all of his, in his victory. He's victorious. Things are great. They, the, way, the way they funded wars then is by what you got out of the war, what you, what you took. That was, the, that was the war chest. That was the pay of the soldiers. Is you, the, to the victor goes the spoils, right? And so that's how they got paid. And so as they, as they destroyed the Midianites, um, they, they, they took all the spoils. And he just asked, he asked for a, 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 a ring of gold, an ear, earring of gold from, from each person. And, 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 and so they did. They brought him the gold and... They, um, they, but not beyond the gold, they brought him clothes and just all kinds of great stuff, right? And it was okay because he had let him. It's okay for him to ask that. But, but what he did when he asked for this, they brought him 43 pounds of gold. And I just did some quick calculations based on current price of gold. And today, just, that, just the gold rings alone would have been worth about $800,000 in today. So he takes all this $800,000 worth of gold, he melts it down, and he makes an ephod which an ephod would have been like the vestments or the, the clothes of what a priest would have worn. Now, you, you, it would have been too heavy for a, for a person to actually wear this. And, and what they had done to Gideon is they said, Gideon, you're awesome. You saved us. Will you be our king and will your kids be our kings? And he said, no. He said, our king needs to be the Lord. I will not be your king. And he was right in that. And he, he had the right heart. But their their affection was in the wrong place. They looked at Gideon as their Savior, and Gideon wasn't their Savior. The Lord was their Savior. But he takes this ephod, and he, this is the end part of the story in the next chapter, and he places it in the camp, in the, in the village where they live. And people came and worshipped that. And it said it even became a trap to his family. And it's like, huh, man, it just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Because he was doing so well and so good, and, and he, was, he was seeing victory, but yet, but yet this, it got him. And the, 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 the translation here that's used in, that, in that, that part of the story of that worship is that it said that Israel prostituted themselves with this ephod, this false worship. You see, in the Old Testament, Israel is called the fiancé of God, the betrothed of the Lord. In the New Testament, we're called the, the church is called the bride of Christ. And our worship is all about our affection and our devotion. And when our heart is on, focused on anything other than the Lord, if there's anything other than the Lord Himself taking precedent in our life, then the Lord calls that spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. And if, you, if, you, if, you've, if you've married or if you've been married or if you've been to a wedding or if you know what marriage is, okay, you know that the most important part of those vows are that I will love you and I will be faithful to you. I'll love you, and I'll be faithful. Like the rest, you can figure out if you just love each other, and you're faithful, right? That's like you got to love, you're devoted. You're saying you will from now, you are the most important person in my life. 
And the Lord invites us into that relationship with Him. That He is the most important thing in our person, in our life. And I'm telling you, all kinds of stuff can pull for our, our affection, right? Can pull for our devotion, right? Look at your calendars. Look at your pocketbook. You know, look at your online computer bank account. Look at how, how do you spend your day? How do, what's the first thing of your day? What's the first thing in your week? Where's the first of your money go? Where's the first of your affection? Where's the first place your mind goes? Because we find ourselves like Gideon in culture around us that's worshiping everything else but the one true God. And if we're not careful, we can get trapped in it as well. And even stuff that's good can become our, our idols. Because it's all about relationship with Him and following His words. And so as I was preparing this and looking at this, it's like, oh Lord, search me, Lord. Look in me, Lord. Is there anything in me, Lord, that needs to be addressed, that needs to be, those idols kicked over in my life, need to be burned down in my life? Start with me first, Lord, because it's, it is. It's like a trap, isn't it? It happens. It just, it just kind of gets us. It just kind of gets us. So I ask for that. I ask the Lord to do that. I want to end with with one verse here, and will you, will you just put the Hebrews chapter eleven thirty two and thirty four? I just want to address this just for a moment. We're wrapping up. I just want to address this for a moment. So, what more shall we say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who went through faith, conquered kingdoms, administrated justice, and gained what was promised. I mentioned this verse a few weeks ago. I want to bring it back up. Who shut the mouth of lion, quenched the f- the fury of the flames escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and he became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, whose weakness was turned to strength. As a series on broken heroes, each of us have weaknesses. For Gideon, his weakness was he was reluctant. His weakness was he didn't know who he was in the Lord. His weakness was he didn't see himself as the Lord saw him. And each of us have just by default, by the fact that we're human, we have weaknesses in our life. And what I believe the Lord wants us to do is just bring these weaknesses to Him and be honest about them and present them to Him and let those weaknesses be changed to strength so He gets the glory. So He gets the glory. And so when we talk about idols, right, maybe, maybe even that thing that I talked about, that I brought up at the end of worship, that thing that's trying to get your attention in worship. You guys remember that from a few minutes ago? Right? Maybe that thing has become an idol in your life. And the point of me talking about this is not for you to feel bad, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, don't feel bad. All right, turn to your and say, don't feel bad. Feel good. Feel good because the Lord loves you enough to address that in your life. The Lord loves you enough that He wants to be your exclusive lover. To be the exclusive one in your life. And so, even right now, even in this moment, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, we just allow the Lord to address some stuff in your own heart, in your own life that may be out of whack. Maybe there's some stuff that needs to be just pulled down, needs to be trampled down. And you're afraid what will happen. You're kind of like Gideon. 
You prefer to do it at night when nobody's looking around so nobody notices. Because you don't want to stick out. Because you don't want to be seen. The point is, obey the Lord. Gideon obeyed the Lord. Even under the darkness of night, he still obeyed the Lord. Would you present that to the Lord? Would you ask the Lord? And would you with the Lord, just in a time of just prayer right now, would you just, just spiritually, would you just pull those, those, those things down? Would you say, Lord, I give this to you. Lord, I pull this down in Jesus' name. And speak whatever it is. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's pursuit of wealth. Maybe it's um, a career path. Maybe it's a, a person that you've put in that's more important in your life than the Lord. Maybe it's, maybe it's money. Maybe it's something that has to do with pleasure. But whatever that is, would you just say, Lord, I pull this stronghold down in Jesus' name. Just whisper it. Say, Jesus, I pull this down in, in your name. I pull this down right now. I pull it down in Jesus' name. Pull it down in Jesus. Lord, thank you that you want to address these things in our lives because you love us so much. You're jealous for us. You love us so much, Lord. You're jealous for us. You don't want to share us with anybody or anything. You want our full devotion. Thank you. The, Lord, you're the creator of the universe. And you love us that much. It blows our mind. We can't even fathom it, God. We can't even fathom it. With heads bowed and, and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. If the idol of your life is you, you've been serving yourself and not Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to know Him as your Lord and as your Savior today. And if you're Him and you'd, if, you're, if you're that person, Him or her, if you're that person, you'd say, Jay, I want to know Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you look up at me or would you wave at me? Or would you make motion towards me so I can pray with you? Just right where you are. Just pray right where you are. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. Giving the Lord first place in your life, surrendering your life to Him. Just, I'm not gonna, we're not going to extend this long. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I just want to give you an opportunity. If that's you. Just look up at me. Just get my attention. Say, Jay, that's me. Nobody's looking around. All right. All right. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, as you know, I went a little bit different path than what my notes had indicated. But Lord, I thank yeah, thank you, Lord, that you wanted me to touch on some things specifically this morning in this service that you really wanted us to hear. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, that you love the people in this room enough, Lord, to adjust it, Lord, to where they would hear exactly what you want them to hear in this moment right now, Lord. So, Lord, we want the, the, the seed of your word, Lord, to go deep in our hearts, so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to protect the word that you've been deposited in us today. And, Lord, that we would be faithful to you, Lord, and serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Church, can you say amen? Amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.